For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think, actually, this is something that I did want to touch on, which I'm glad you brought it up, so I, I won't barely make this long at all, but one thing that liberty isn't is libertinism. Mm -hmm. And I think that if the liberty movement wants to get anywhere, it's got to fucking ditch the drug problem. Mm -hmm. I agree. The amount of heavy drinking and drugs I saw at Yale. Uh, not drugs as in, like, hard drugs, but, like, people even fucking smoking. Like, again, I love you, Ben, but please stop smoking. Um... <laughs> And, like, all this shit, it made me sick. It made me sick. Just because I want to legalize, basically, I want to legalize drugs for recreational purposes, doesn't mean I endorse any of them. <laughs> I don't think anyone should drink alcohol. I'm not going to stop them, but, like, what liberty is to me is an acceptance of responsibility over yourself and your community that you no longer have a fucking daddy that's going to beat you if you don't like pay tribute to it what is up everybody my name is kyle matovic i am the host of the in liberty and health podcast where we talk all things liberty health and wellness and beyond my hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number, what is it, 141. I, I don't know. I'm getting up there. The numbers all kind of run together to me anymore. Not really, because all the episodes are pretty good. Anyways, I got Lorenzo Silvio, if I said that correctly, here with me today. Um, we met through the Twitterverse. He is a musician and a libertarian, much like myself. So um, beyond my brief introduction, go ahead and add anything there that I missed. Yeah, we, we met through uh, David Brady, kind of. I mean, I, I followed you and, like, that type of stuff, but David was the one that suggested that I come on here, mm -hmm. um, which was great. <laughs> He's a great guy. Um, but, yeah, I'm a musician, first, libertarian, second. Um, I can get a little wild on Twitter, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I just want to make people happy. Yeah, no, that's uh, kind of the Larry Sharp approach. And, uh, you know, for ev everybody who's been listening to the podcast for a while knows that um, I have nothing but the utmost respect and love for Larry Sharp. I oftentimes call him one of the greatest living libertarians out there. Um, I'm going to vote for him. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are in New York. Uh, yeah, if you want to start there, that's a good that's a good spot. If you want to <laughs> start with living in the hellscape of New York. Yeah, okay. So, you know, well, how old are you? I don't think I know how old you are. I, I'm guessing you're younger than me, but I could be mistaken. I'm going to let you guess first. Uh, I'm going to go with 19. 18. Okay. All right. So you were, holy shit. I can't imagine being 16 years old in 2020 and this is always people might even fuck with me because i always kind of start with this but okay you know what let's start with you were born and raised in new york yeah i'm, I'm so you know not that i really care because it's a shithole city and no one should go there but i i live in rochester new york mm -hmm. um and i'm born and raised there it's kind of most of what i know 
Um, it's a it's a Midwest city that doesn't want to be a Midwest city because we're <laughs> basically part of the Rust Belt. Um, mm-hmm. If you know of Kodak, Kodak is from Ochter, all that stuff. Back when mm-hmm. people used film film cameras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm in um, southwestern Pennsylvania, a little bit north of Pittsburgh, is um, you know the Steel City, and I'm sure it's probably much the same for you as it is for me, where you're used to seeing cars completely destroyed after about five or six years and uh and you could obviously speak to this better than me but um i don't know how like rural your area is but around me it's really interesting to see all the old factories that are shut down due to government interference with the market um is that similar to up there uh so rochester is like i think the third biggest city no 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 no, fourth it goes new york city Mm -hmm. Albany, Buffalo, Rochester, I think. So we're not the smallest. Um, and I live in a s- suburb, like, <clears throat> right next to the city. So it's not super rural. Um, one of the things about Rochester, um, and this is, we're one of the most segregated cities, I think, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, but I don't know that for sure. But there's the good section of town, and then there's the old industrial section of town. And that's, it's this kind of, just vast concrete jungle that's kind of withering and dying. Um, and it's a shame because there's some parts of the city that are very pretty. And we just have, we had like a garbage mayor. Do you, did you hear anything in the news about Lovely Warren? No, uh, no. Her husband was caught up in a cocaine racketeering. <laughs> yeah. So, nice. Well, at least you know they know how to party. Oh, yeah. Well, that's actually <laughs> another, that's another fun thing is that I'm straight edge as a libertarian. And as a musician, which is... Oh, really? Okay, so um, people, like, never believed me when I told them this. But um, so I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never smoked weed. And I really didn't get drunk until I was about 19 years old. Now, I I don't want to say I'm a frequent drinker over the last probably like month or so I've drank a little bit more than I normally do, but, um, it's normally only about, you know, if we got to dinner, I'll maybe have a drink or two or, um, you know, occasionally I'll go out with a couple of friends and we'll get loud and rowdy, but it used to be in my early twenties. I was going out all the time drinking, but, um, no, I never had an interest to smoke or do anything like that. Okay. So what was your introduction to, um, libertarianism let's start there and then we can kind of touch out to other topics because obviously if you run in the Liberty Twitter sphere, then, you know, you, you kind of had to have some kind of grounding or found it some way, somehow. Well, I found it. Um, it's funny because I found my political journey has been a little bit weird mm-hmm. because I was for most of my life like a dumb lib because I grew up in a blue town. My town is not only very blue, but very Jewish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I half Jew. If you couldn't tell from the nose and the hair, but um. <laughs> The, I was a dumb lib until about 2020, and then my drum teacher, who is a staunch black conservative Catholic, mm-hmm. um, basically just started. He'd been he had been like feeding me stuff for years, and I would not accept it. And then 2020, just something clicked. You know, it, it, one of the big things was um the whole Kyle Rittenhouse stuff, the Kenosha stuff, and then that's when I really started watching people like Tim Pool, who I don't really watch anymore. We have our <laughs> we we I think we have similar feelings on on Tim, mm-hmm. um, and I think one of the introductions for me with liber- uh, libertarianism stuff was seeing Clint Russell on Tim Pool, and then this is the one that's kind of embarrassing. I watched Tower Gang for a while. That was kind of my introduction to libertarianism because <laughs> I I one of my favorite YouTubers is Shoe on Head. Uh, okay, even, yeah. Even even now as a libertarian, I think she's great. She's like one of the good lefties. Um, and is funny and like reminds me of like Italian New Yorkers that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, when she was on Tower Gang, I watched it and I was like, oh, okay, hold on. These guys are making good points. And I started watching more and then kind of got more into liberty because these people were nice to me. <laughs> That's like, and no one, and like, they, no one believed it when I said that. But like, no, I don't believe it either. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I have never been able to, like, it's tough for me to find a home within groups mm-hmm. and having a bunch of kind of, because a lot of the people that I've met here are the outcasts and the misfits and all the people that didn't really fit in anywhere else. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think Ayn Rand called Rothbard a right-wing hippie, 
um i think i heard dave smith say that one time yeah and it it was like yeah that's like that's a lot of us and these like people accepted me for who i was in a way that i wasn't able to be around in my very blue town and my very blue thing and i was starting to realize no because i i was kind of like a steve bannon populist around the time when my drum teacher was feeding. Oh God, I'm, uh, don't, don't get me started on Steve Bannon. Believe me, I've, I've anyway, yeah, sorry. I'm, I, we're, we're, let's just preemptively agree to disagree on that. Uh, Cause I think we'll have uh, definitely some debates on Steve, but I, I ended up being, I was like, no, the government is not going to help anything. If anything is going to make things worse. And I would much rather provide for myself and my community from my own pocket than have the government suck my tit until it's chapped mm-hmm. right and you know and a combination of me kind of realizing the destructive nature in the state and also meeting people like david and meeting people um you know later on as i've gotten back on twitter talking to people like you it's just kind of cemented the thing of like these people kind of get me mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe that's a selfish thing and maybe that's you know you know i haven't I will fully admit to I have not read enough theory at this point. I'm a dumb drummer. I don't like. Listen, so I started playing guitar probably when I was probably about 12 years old. So I've been playing for probably about 16 years now. And uh, I don't know chords still. And I never bothered. I I couldn't tell you all the notes up and down the fretboard. If you like gave me a couple minutes, I could probably figure it out. Like my my bass player will occasionally say like, oh, what's that F? And I have to E E sharp F. Okay, I, I get there eventually. Um, I, I've read like absolutely no libertarian theory. Um, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts with um Pete Quinones and like Taylor Shire when they go over the readings of Hop. And I, I mean, I always enjoy listening to theory stuff. I think I listened to Man Economy and State, but um. I don't like I, I, this. That's a that's a separate thing, and I'm not going to get into it. We yeah, no, 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 that's a, that, oh, yeah. that that's okay. Yeah, um, T- Taylor is a great guy. Um, yeah, well, you know what's funny is him and I actually went to high school together. We've known each other for no. quite a while. Yep, yep. We both I, went to the same high school. There are like so many like of that libertarian, also hardcore people from Pennsylvania, like you, <laughs> Taylor, Ben. Yeah, East Coast hardcore. Yeah, well, it's funny because there's a big culture, and Taylor would tell you about the same thing. We used to go up. There's this place in uh, a small town called Natrona Heights, and they had this place called the Roundhouse where everybody would go and hang out, and they would have the most awesome hardcore shows ever. I remember watching somebody slam dancing and just walking up to a table and just nailing it and shattering the glass. And, like, it's kind of fucked up because it's, like, it's not your table, but I will never – I could still see it in my head. The dude – No, when the breakdown it, hits, the breakdown hits. Yeah, and, and look, dude, I've probably seen more bands than most people have even heard of, but, like, come on, man. You can't go around breaking people's shit or hitting people. Like, that's not cool. And everybody loves a mosh pit. You know, somebody falls down, you pick them up. If people get hurt, everybody backs up and makes sure everybody's okay. But, like, I don't know, the slam dance shit when you go hurt people, I, I can't get on board with it. I've never moshed. Oh, my I've, God. I've, I've never – I haven't gone to a lot of, like, a lot of shows, and especially a lot of metal shows, just because mm. of, like, where I am. And um, my mom actually has been for more of that because my cousin was part of a hardcore band called Hunger Artist. Mm-hmm. Which okay. Was the roster scene. Okay. Yeah, I'm not that familiar this with them. Like, I think they were a straight edge hardcore band as well. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. Yeah. And then there, like, she was talking about some of the wild shit she would see, and it's just like, oh, I. I'm a prog nerd. I like, mm-hmm. you know, I I like bits of hardcore. I like break I like breakdowns. Um, but I don't know if I'd survive like 5 minutes at a hardcore show. I feel like I'd be the easiest target for someone to crowd kill. What's up everybody? Um we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, (laughs) like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes. Um, 
there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Uh, also it tastes really really good. Get some uh, chocolate cream or hazelnut cream or even coconut and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really really good. So uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. Alright guys, thanks. Ah, now you just got to kind of stay away from that stuff. Um, <laughs> I remember my first concert was Guar Lamb of God Job for a Cowboy when I was 15 years old. Dude, The I remember towards the end of Guar set, they had this giant robot up on stage. And you got to remember, 15-year-old kid, I had real long hair. And I remember watching their singer, Odorous, take this sword and jam it into this robot's chest. And it had a window there. And the window, like, popped off. And babies started falling out. It was the funniest shit in the world. And there was, like, this uh, mutant thing. And Odorous saying, I don't know what I got to do here, but I know I have to stab that baby in the pussy fuckhole. And he grabs his sword and fucking stabs it right in the fucking mutant. It starts spraying blood everywhere. Dude, if you could ever go see Guar, and it's not the same without Odorous, their original singer, but um, it's still like a show that you have to understand what you're getting yourself into before you go. But it's so worth it. I think I've seen them five or six times, but it's always a blast. My first concert was Santana when I was in fifth grade. Oh, man. I'd, I'd was, like to get put to sleep. I'm sure it was good, but. You know, it was okay. It was at a, a casino. Mm hmm. And I was a ten-year-old, an eleven-year-old in a casino, so I had to have all like I had to have a special pass and all that stuff to get to the casino floor. Yeah, it's, it smelled like cigarettes, and then like really shitty fragrance to overpower the smell of cigarettes. Yeah. And I watched Santana; it was fine. But then I, I think that next year I saw The Who and Rush. Oh well, that's pretty cool. I, I, I fucking hate Rush, but. Yeah. Oh no, we could disagree on Steve Bannon, but you. <laughs> <laughs> okay look i look at rush the same way i look at led zeppelin and slayer and i hate those two bands too i appreciate what they did for music but i just do not like the music they make at all that's understandable when it comes to slayer i like led zeppelin um partially because i think john bonham is one of the best rock drummers to ever walk this planet mm -hmm. um but rush like if you scroll through like five minutes of my twitter you will find me talking about rush most of the time yeah i think so <laughs> yeah it's like and i i used to be an even bigger rush fan i used to like just idolize them and you know now i still absolutely love them they were what got me back into music mm -hmm. um, and getting to see them on their last tour was great Nice. So, um, kind of what i guess let's pivot over to because we're kind of already there what got you into playing music Oh, yeah. So I started playing drums when I was two. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there's videos of me, like, banging on pots and pans. And because my stepdad, both my dad and my stepdad are chefs. And playing in my stepdad's kitchen, like, it, it was, it was work, playing on buckets and pots and pans. And then I got this little dinky, like, Ludwig kit, which I still have bits of it, but I've turned it into other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's, if you look up Lorenzo Silvio plays the drums, I think on YouTube, you can find a video of me at age three playing the drum set. Mm -hmm. And you should link that in the description. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I could probably do that. We, uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that's good. Um, so you were a little kid just banging on pots and pans. I, I was, like I said, I've been playing guitar since I was about 12 years old. So I was already a, uh, not, not like in a, a teenager but i was a kid kind of just grabbing a pick and just trying to strum as fast as i could because i was such a heavy music fan um were there any bands that you felt like had a significant impact on the way you wanted to play music or, or kind of that really inspired you yes so i when i was really little i used to know a lot of jazz stuff Mm -hmm. oh my mom my I'm, I'm not really at that stage anymore mm -hmm. but my my mom my grandpa would just put on jazz all the time be like that's you know Art Blakey, that's Miles Davis, and mm. apparently, according to my mom, I knew all that stuff, and then I promptly forgot it. Um, and the first band that I ever got into by myself was The Who. Um, uh, okay. And then it was Led Zeppelin, and then I kind of stopped thinking about music for a while. But it was Rush is one of the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. the, the way like 
I got back into music, and now I try to kind of steer away from, like, playing like Neil Peart, because while I have a lot of appreciation for him, he's very stiff when he drums. Um, the Some of the bands that really um, got me into, like, and then I found Dream Theater, <laughs> and Mike Portnoy's drumming was something that kind of inspired how I play, and then I found Porcupine Tree. Mm-hmm. which is another thing you'll see me all the time. Gavin Harrison is another drummer that's really, really inspired my playing. And then more recently, in terms of the metal field, it's been a lot of the kind of gent drummers like Matt Garska from Animals as Leaders, um, mm-hmm. the drummer for Tesseract. Um, I forget, you know Tesseract, right? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. Um, like a lot of those drummers and what they're doing, drummer for Periphery, actually. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great drummer. Um those guys kind of influence a lot of my stuff. Um, but I've tried to not have, like, I've tried to not be those drummers. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because my drum teacher has really pushed me to study a lot of other stuff. Like, I almost never work on metal with him. Like, I'm working on Herbie Hancock stuff with him right now. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh- Sure. Yeah. So one thing that's always hotly debated is Lars Ulrich. And it's funny because my drummer and I, um, we actually, I feel like we really agree on Lars Ulrich that he is not like by himself a good drummer. But what I love about Lars is that he plays to the song so well. And I I look at my drummer kind of like that too, where he's not the flashiest or the best drummer in the world. But when it comes to like constructing a song, playing for the song he's like second to none right he can really build a song to make it huge and just he knows how to shape it into something that just turns out incredible and if you listen to common crowns music um you'll hear his kind of foreshadowing and stuff like that and what i like about lars is that typically he kind of plays in the pocket and he's pretty loose with the way that he does stuff and he's not the best drummer in the world like i said but i I just really like that he's a musician he's not a drummer that's going to be a drummer for the sake of being a drummer. Like you listen to some of these fucking death core bands and they're fucking incredible, but it's like, okay, well like, you don't have to have a fill over here and there. The drummer for Lorna shore. Like I just feel bad for him. Like you listen to Lorna shore. And there's nothing but blast beats for like mm-hmm. three minutes. And it's like, Oh, I cannot imagine doing that. But no, to your thing with Lars, I don't know if I'm as high with my praise as Lars. I think that sure. the thing with Lars is that, He's an excellent producer. I think that he, because he, if, some of the stories I've heard, like he was the one that, like, kind of crafted the riff for Enter Sandman. Like he, mm-hmm. he took it and was like, yeah, just do this differently and made it the way it is. Mm-hmm. I think his strength and weakness, the fact that he has no fucking clue how to play the drums, <laughs> and he lets that just kind of walk through any expectations of what you're supposed to do. Like mm-hmm. if you listen to his. His fills, they go over the bar all the time, but I don't think that's because he knows he's going over the bar. He's just, like, going where his hands are, like, taking him. Like, Mm -hmm. um, another example is Master of Puppets. Like, if you're going to, like, write out Master of Puppets, that the main riff, not the, not the, it's the, um. The verse riff. It's the verse riff. Yeah. It's in, like, the second parts should be in some very weird time signature, but it's probably just how Lars felt it. Mm-hmm. And I think that he he is Metallica's strength and weakness. I think that Metallica's weakest guitar or weakest musician is Kirk Hammett, to be completely honest. I mm-hmm. think he's incredibly sloppy, especially nowadays. I, like, what? I, I, I used to like Metallica, but I don't really listen to them that much. My favorite Metallica song is One. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, my one of my favorite albums. But I'm a, I don't want to say I'm like a Metallica freak. Pantera is my number one band, but um, I even love Load and Reload, and I think Lars is you like Saint Anger. Yes, actually. Okay, good because I got I got blocked on my old account before I got banned by Scott Horton for saying <laughs> that Saint Anger was an okay album. Because here's the thing. They went harder than Metallica has ever gone before, and in Drop C or Drop C or Drop C Sharp and like frantic dude the unnamed feeling is one of the most wicked songs ever i love that song but i love load and reload because um you think about like the outlaw torn and the way that lars plays the drums in those albums and look i'm a huge blues guy so this could be kind of where i get that why i like those albums so much 
they were very feelsy. And I'm, I'm hearing this one part in the Outlaw Torn where Lars just kind of do, do. It's just like he felt it. And when you can kind of hear that human element that you can't program in, there's something beautiful about that. And that's what I always loved about, um, like you're saying, Karkam, it's sloppy. Okay, well, yes, but also the way that he plays is the way that Karkam plays, right? Yeah. And, and it's kind Karkam of... from like the 90s, like when I say Karkam has gotten sloppy as well, I think you have to differentiate between like Metallica nowadays and Metallica mm -hmm. at their peak. Because I think, yeah. I mean, would you agree, they're past their peak. They're past their prime. Sure. I mean, uh, define their peak, though, because their peak to me is going to be, um, you know, pretty much their first couple albums up until probably, I would still say they were kind of peaked at And Justice. And then after that, um, it was kind of like their fame peak, right? So uh, it, 1989, 1989 was their peak. Okay. Well, like I said, like, define like, like live shit, binge and purge, like the live. Okay. Show. Sure. That, like, Every they're firing on all cylinders. Sure. Like I that's the first thing that made me appreciate Jason Newstead. Was mm -hmm. the backing vocals that he does for one. Like on that on the uh uh hold my breath as I wish for death, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Like when he does that like it's just it's so good and there's something about that. It's just it's energetic and they're tight. Mm -hmm. They're really even though they're kind of loosey, like in the Metallica way, they're playing within that looseness kind of they're playing tight. They're feeling it. Yeah. Nowadays, I feel like I can just watch some like live videos. I'm like, wow, they're kind of phoning it in a little bit, which, you know, they've earned it. They're, they're, yeah, dude, they've been doing it for 40 years. That was uh, what you were just kind of laying out there is probably one of the reasons why I think Pantera is and will always be the greatest band to ever walk the face of the planet because you cannot watch Pantera in, I think it was 1991 or 1990 in Moscow and think that there was Domination. And, and think that there's anybody that will ever come close to being like them like machine head is insanely good live um i've seen so many fucking bands and i could go on forever about it but like to see pantera they just fucking rocked the earth and then you think about far beyond driven in 1994 topping the charts for months on end in the in 90s. The, yeah and with the raw power behind that album that and the, God. yeah and then like the Great Southern Trend Kill being this stupid fucking nasty and heavy album. And it didn't quite do as good as Far Beyond Driven. But I mean, like, dude, this was 1996. And this is still some of the heaviest shit you'll hear ever. And it's not like they were doing it to be heavy. This was Pantera, right? Yeah. Like, some bands will just have breakdowns and beatdowns. And that's the entire song. And it's it feels kind of like you were saying, like, they're phoning in. Like, they're really trying. Pantera came natural. Yeah, and it's in like quick thing on that Moscow show. Mm -hmm. If there's one concert I would have killed somebody to actually play at, playing at that <laughs> Moscow show, because think about it you have a million Russians who have never heard heavy metal before, mm -hmm. like ready to overthrow their government, <laughs> kicking the shit out of security guards, yep. and wanting music mm -hmm. just to be on that stage. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, the, the closest I've ever, I can't even say I've been, even been remotely close to that, but I mean, we've played some cool shows, you know, opening for Steel Panther, Stephen Piercy, um, and been in front of over a thousand people. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool, but like, I can't imagine being on a stage like that. Like when we opened for Steel Panther, I remember my drummer hitting the drums and feeling it in my chest. And it's different from like being in the crowd and feeling it and then being on the stage and feeling it. When I hear, like, when I feel the rumble of the bass, like, so my band, mm -hmm. um, work in progress, by the way, we're changing the band name um, mm -hmm. soon, but it's, um, but when we play live, um, we have a, we're, we've added the bassist now, but it was me, um, my guitarist, and then keyboardist, we did a lot of synth bass stuff, and we kind mm -hmm. of prog rock stuff, and feeling the bass, oh, it's the best feeling, and just having the punch of it, it's so great, and I, playing live, like, almost transitioning that back into talking about liberty for a sec. Sure. Playing live is something that I didn't realize I was going to miss so much during the lockdowns. Because New York locked down hard. 
Okay, so when did you play your first show? Because, and I just want to do a, a real quick tangent here. I remember what or playing guitar here when I was young, and ke- I kept seeing people or uh, the one loading screen saying that uh, this person played their first show at 17 years old. And I thought, man, that'd be so cool. And I actually didn't end up playing a show until I think I was 23, 22, 23. And I'm going to be 28 here in a couple of weeks. Um, when did you play your first show and, and kind of detail out a little bit more of your uh, music history? Sure. When I was 12, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, so the, the place I took lessons at did this thing where, you know how there's that kind of, there's those places that like, it's like camp rock stars and like that where you yeah. go and they like give kids the bands. This was the grown up version. Well, not, not grown up as in like grown ups. It's like the actual good version of that where they're not giving you a million covers. They're giving you yeah. two covers and those are meant to be learned within a day. And then you're writing originals for the rest of the two weeks. Good lord, yeah. Well, okay, the covers. It wasn't a, a day. Like you mm-hmm. know, we had shitty people on the thing. I, the, my first, my first concert live, we had two vocalists. Mm-hmm. One of them who played piano. She's great. I still keep in contact with her. Um, a saxophonist. Like it was. Mm-hmm. It was not good. And I was not the best drummer. Sure. Um, but I played at a little club, and it was fun. And then my closest friend who's actually doing another thing which um we're neither of us are going to college we're going to music industry um we we end up the next year playing together it was was like a power trio me him and then uh like the teacher who did the bass Mm -hmm. and i played uh um those two years like doing that like those smaller things then i played outside the rock and roll hall of fame the next year the one in Cleveland? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's an outside stage out there. And mm-hmm. I played that yeah, one. I've been there. I lived in uh, Cleveland for a year and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Have you seen that, that like, shitty, um, have you seen the, like, the song about Cleveland where it's like, Welcome down to Cleveland town, everyone, under construction since 1860. I gotta send it to you. Okay, no, it's no, like, I never saw that. It's like, you see the sun three times a year. <laughs> Yeah, no, that sounds about right. And when it snows, it snows pretty fucking bad. Um, okay, so you already had a decent music history by the time you were about 16, which you would have been 16 in 2020. Okay, so... So I've enjoyed hearing people's stories about 2020, and I enjoy telling mine. Um, I remember we did our CD release show in February of 2020. So we just released our four-song EP, and uh, the show was packed, right? And then we played another show, and it was packed. It was in this bar that um, isn't very wide, but it's super long. And wall-to-wall, front-to-back, it was just fucking tons of people there. So, and, and things were looking up. We had shows booked all over this side of the country. And then... March 13th. <laughs> I remember, because I was in school. Yeah, okay. It Like, it's it's... I remember that morning, like, people were like, oh, there's starting to be COVID cases in New York, you know, might be shutting down, et cetera, et cetera. There's our first COVID case in Rochester. And this is, like, and I remember that because that was my last weekend that I worked for a few months. Mm-hmm. And I worked at, a, at Wegmans, which is objectively the best grocery store chain ever. Um, have you ever been to upstate New York? Have you been to a Wegmans? No, I've been to uh, Buffalo, New York. That's it. There's the Wegmans in Buffalo, probably. Okay. Oh, I mean, it was only like two days for a uh, training course for my job. Fair. Either way, it's great. And I, I worked there, but I remember that that was the toilet paper weekend. That was when everyone. <laughs> like, that was the weekend that I uh, came into work because I, I had broken my arm and I was just like shuttling stuff back onto the shelves mm-hmm. to help them like restock the shelves. And they were like, here's a bunch of stuff people tried to buy and we had limits. Go put it back. And I. It was crazy. I remember in that day, everything, like, I, I went to go do something. And the next morning, I wake up, and it's like, oh, yeah, school's going to be closed for the foreseeable future. And it's like, oh, we'll probably be back by April break. And then April break came. It's like, we'll probably be back, you know, maybe by the end of the school year. Okay, that's not going to happen. We're definitely going to be back by the start of the next school year. But it was a really interesting period in my life because I don't think – because, like, I know there are some people, especially in Liberty Sphere, that were – that hated the lockdowns from the minute they happened. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't one of those people because I'm an introvert. And the idea of spending hours of time alone mm-hmm. 
was great for me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I got back into playing drums because I had broken my arm. I had actually funny little thing as well. I had gotten my cast off the week before everything shut down, and then I had gotten my braces off the day everything sh- like was supposed to be mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day, which was like basically the kind of deadline. Of <laughs> the doctor's taking off your braces. Oh, yeah. yeah this is looking kind of bad. I don't know how it's going to be, but uh, oh, all right. Your braces are gone. Um, you know, hey, I'll, I'll see you for your checkup in a couple weeks, and then, lo, oh, did no, you know yeah. your life was going to change? Oh, I, I knew because that was, no, there was no school that day. It was, yeah. it was the craziest thing, and I I don't think I realized until way later how damaging that phase of lockdown was for me. Because mm-hmm. it, like, up until June, it was fine. And mm-hmm. then all the riots started happening. And I was like, okay. And then that's when I started realizing, that's when, that's actually one of the, the kind of things that started leading me into Liberty stuff. I was like, oh, <laughs> I had to stay in my house, but oh, black people. Okay, now we can go out. (laughs) That's going to get clipped right there. (laughs) Oh, there's so many. There's so much worse shit I've said. But, yeah, I I can't wait for that to get clipped. It'll be be up there with all the other stupid shit I've said, including the stuff that's gotten me banned. (laughs) I I have a bad track record for getting locked out of Twitter for making fun of women. Oh, listen, dude. I, I, I... I don't know how I never got like Facebook bans or Twitter. I got a couple peepee smacks on Twitter, but not that many. Um, Cause I go pretty hard against women, but that's, uh, you know, my, my fiance actually said there's a reason she's not on Twitter. It's because I hate women on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It's well, the, also like, you know, the Liberty Twitter sphere, like there are a lot of women and there are a lot of women, AKA Astrid. <laughs> Remember when all that, that? Okay, so you know what? I have no idea what the hell that was. I just remember seeing people. Yeah, she's a Fed. It's a fake thing, and I, I had no idea. And, and look, because I don't, I do not pay attention to the e thoughts. I don't, I don't care. Um, you, you know, to get followers on Liberty Twitter, if you're a woman, all you gotta do is be like a five, maybe like a six, and then just sit. Yeah, and sit. Right. And then all of a sudden you got 5,000 followers, even though, you know, you, you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. Um, I, I, yeah, I have no interest in following these kind of women because they have nothing fruitful to add to the conversation. I'm 18 and horny. I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Tinder's for. Oh, you don't think I'm not on Tinder too? (laughs) And Hinge and Bumble? And it doesn't work out except for the one time it did. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't work out after that. Oh man. Well, anyways, that's that's a uh, another story. Um so you had said that you were kind of interested in lockdowns at first, not for, you know, whoopee the government shutting everything down so that way we could stay safe, but I more so for the myself. Right, right, right. That's kind of what I was getting to is that yeah. you enjoyed the idea of um kind of spending time by yourself so that was around when you not only found liberty stuff but you also got kind of got back into playing music i won't say i wasn't i was not into playing music when the mm-hmm. thing wasn't it was just that i had my i had broken my arm my right arm twice in like three months mm-hmm. before that one during a bike accident one during a work accident the bike accident's cooler than the work accident but mm-hmm. um i hadn't had the chance to play the drums and it was oh like I've been playing a little bit, but like I'd finally fully gotten back into playing the drums. Really, what what the lockdowns did was bond my friend group even closer. Like that's the best mm-hmm. thing that came out of it is that sure. we were on Discord every night, um, you know, talking about stuff while playing different games. They were generally playing like Battlefront, um, except for the times when we'd all play Minecraft together, and it was the best. <laughs> I nice. built a whole medieval like village and castle in survival Minecraft. Uh huh. And I deleted the server by accident. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Yeah, I I remember I was telling you about the Steel Panther show, and it was the most bizarre thing to be walking around outside on a 70-degree day wearing a mask, and you could take off your mask in front of your car, but not when you were beside it. If you were walking around, you had to wear a mask. And then in between songs, people hitting their horns. It was uh, a unique experience. That's Yeah, I... That's one of the things that like started to really 
get on my. It was like that kind of like the summer of 2021 when everyone was like, "All right, it's over. What about Delta?" And it was like it, it was this three week period mm-hmm. at work where we didn't have to wear our masks, and then masks back on because of some mm-hmm. bullshit variant. And it it got to the point where that's when it started taking its toll because I. As I've alluded, I'm chronically single. And it was right around like age, it was like mid 2021 when I was just like, God, I hate being single and I can't go out mm-hmm. because New York basically didn't let up until like late 2021. Mid, mm-hmm. like February break 20, like this February break for me, back when I was in my senior year of high school, that's when it it finally everything kind of lifted up mask mandates lift up and there were still people that wore masks in school i you know in my school i was considered a far-right extremist for thinking hey we shouldn't chop off genitals of like little children and (laughs) you know hey maybe the government isn't a good force for good they're like wow look at this nazi over here (laughs) so that was my type of school so i was like one of the first people without a mask and then everyone else kind of dropped it by the end of the year but lockdowns and covid it made me realize how fucked up the world is Mm -hmm. how fucked up people are and how stupid people are and how and like i'm tremendously black lit (laughs) when it comes to the world like i see no hope and that's when i get into huge art maybe this is like kind of an ironic thing because me and pete quinones would probably agree on some of this is that all the fucking theory reading libertarians out there it's like this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. If there's one thing I learned during COVID, it's that it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We fight I, We fight against each other all the time in the liberty sphere about all of these little things. And yet the Patriot Act still exists. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And that's it- watching Citizen Four. That was another thing that really pushed me toward it. I was like, this is unbelievably like horrific and i see people getting into massive quote tweet arguments about you know like i'm trying to remember there's there's always like the the drag queen stuff that pops up that i just ignore yeah Um, you know you're you're probably better off um what gives me hope is seeing younger people and also seeing the people that i'm in communications with that um are speaking out against things and seem to want to foster a culture for good. And this is what I try to insert into the conversation. I don't think you're going to find the solution in electoral politics. Some people want to play politics is the way it is. But um, I think at a certain point, you have to decide what you're going to support with your vote and not. Um, I, I, I had people on Facebook today tell me, well, you better vote for a Republican. I'm like, look, I'm not voting for fucking Fetterman or Dr. Oz. You could choose between the decaying corpse that is Fetterman or fucking Dr. Oz who wants to transition children and take your guns. Uh, if that doesn't sum up American politics, I don't know what it is. I tweeted that out today. But yeah, I, I don't know. What do you want me to do with that? I'm not going to support either one of them. They're fucking terrible. And then I've sorry the the I really don't want to trash the candidate because he's been on the show and he is a good guy but he's a fucking China hawk. If you're a libertarian and you're a China hawk, you have not listened to any anti-war stuff. Like what the fuck are you doing? So I have nobody to support in that race. Sorry, nope. You're, abstaining. You're definitely one of the more avid like um, people that go after China hawks. Yes. Um, you like because you you go harder than. Like anyone say for like the anti-war lefties who are like Fiorella Isabel, um, and like some of those people. Oh, and actually, no, I think Kim Iverson also um, takes a shot at a lot of the China mm. as well. Sometimes she's, she's okay. Like, okay, if if she has, I I haven't seen it because she's now starting to say, "Oh, I'm going to vote Republican all up and down the ticket." It's like, uh, uh, all right. Yeah. Same thing with. One of her things was like the whole like you know going against the whole Uyghur genocide. Um, thing, mm-hmm. which, wow. Yeah. No. She and she. 
she got a lot of shit for that because you know i think there's a there's a new trend and i think it's the the next kind of thing to look out for in a bad way of i left the left type people oh my god dude that's been a thing forever dave rubin tim pole all these guys say oh look and i'm a lefty okay but you would take fucking trump's dick and balls down your fucking throat if you had the fucking chance i'm a lefty but i just happen to agree with everything that the fucking maga right wants and that's fine just don't call yourself the leftist anymore because you're no longer and, and that's okay but don't you don't get to have both right you don't get to yeah. say i'm a lefty but i support trump no because C- at a certain point you are that and that's fine but you once again they they want to be able to play both sides I think there is an aspect to the, like, Bernie for Trump kind of, maybe calling him a MAGA leftist is weird, but, like, there are people that are, like, I don't agree with him on a lot of things, mm. and I am a straight, like, I remember someone making that argument a while back, but no, Tim Pool is nothing but a fucking neocon at this point, and mm-hmm. it's a real shame because he was the one that got me into a lot of politics stuff, introduced me to a lot of interesting people, you know, same and it's and it's interesting because a lot of them are bracing the neocon right and i'm worried like someone like james Lindsay, i followed james Lindsay for a while and i still think he is an absolute genius when it comes to a lot of things oh yeah like i think especially because he was calling out the universities years before like the modern right kind of called them out mm-hmm. and but now he's kind of just been taken in by the the kind of established not the establishment right there's like the establishment right there's the maga right and then there's like someone like there's like the blake masters type like you know what i mean there's kind of like that in between between establishment and like proper actual like maga like america first right that a lot of these people kind of funnel into and that's where tulsi is going to find herself into i i when i saw tulsi speak at yale so i i went to yale Mm -hmm. um ben ekman shout out to ben um got me into into um revolution 22 even though i'm not a member of yale and i got to see all these people speak and seeing tulsi speak i was like okay all right you're making some claims but i've heard you shift your stance on everything else like the only thing you've even remained slightly consistent on is war and even then that's that changes because you go anti-war but pro china hawk pro iran hawk you know Mm -hmm. she's like i don't she she doesn't want she's a war on terror hawk too she, that's what she's yeah. bad on is the war on terror now she's good on regime change but that's Great it on regime change and she yeah. in like watching her debate with kamala in the, in the primaries is something that, like, <laughs> that is yeah that there's like an odd satisfaction it's like that and Rand paul laying into fauci are like the two greatest things in the world <laughs> oh there's there's i mean i'll watch old trump hillary debates just to watch trump debates. oh yeah I think Trump should have been a stand-up comic. I think he would have been an excellent stand-up comic because I watch him and I cannot stop He has good laughing. impulses. He has good impulses. Like, even the, the, the fucking, the, the turning the lights off thing. You've seen that clip where he's like... Yeah. Yeah, I guess the... Yeah, like, I think that... But Tulsi, like, when she's like, I left the Democratic Party, I was talking... So I was, um... It was funny. I was walking down the hall of Rev after um, Tulsi had spoke, and all of a sudden I see... Spike Cohen, Spike Cohen's wife, who's gorgeous, um, and I think I think it was Brad Plumbo. I'm not sure, but they're they're walking down, and they're in. I think Brad was like, I don't get what the thing with Tulsi is, and Spike goes, Well, and before I say anything, I go, I can fix her, and he goes, Yes, exactly, that's what it is. Liberty men think they can fix her because she's hot and has nice tits. Oh my god, that's fucking great. And, and they don't and they don't realize, no, she's not going to be fixed. She's like. She's marginally better as a politician than most of the other people. That's such a low bar. Same thing with someone like Justin Amash. Yeah. Justin Amash has been better than 90% of American politicians in the past 10 years. And that's such a low bar that it means he can see sucks in a lot of other regards. Uh, I, I don't want to go too far into this. But um, I, I think a lot of people tend to forget how good Justin Amash was when he was in Congress. I, I, I think that completely eclipses people. Oh, I'm, I'm saying he's one of the best politicians that we have ever, we have had mm-hmm. in Congress for ages, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, even then he still has his issues. He's still yeah. hardcore. Like you know, he like I I walked out of his speech kind of like midway through. Not not out of like not out of any diss to him. It was because I wanted to actually talk to some people that I was meeting. He's boring. He's boring, and it's just my constitution. All right, cool. You know, listen, I appreciate the Constitution as a document, but 
the the establishment has ripped it up and thrown it away. Mm-hmm. Like this is why I'm so popular is because you not only do you have kind of these libertarians that are kind of sometimes a little bit slow on some issues, mm-hmm. but then you have other people ready to rip them apart over any little thing. So it's like, yeah, just so much like, for example, when the whole LPNH stuff, right? So the whole backlash to the Megan McCain tweet, which I thought was hilarious. And I've mm-hmm. been trying to get a block from Megan McCain for a while now. Like I, just I can't believe you didn't get it. You blocked me pretty quick. <laughs> I just go in there and I go, you deserve Guantanamo, fat ass. Mm-hmm. And like, like, you know, it's funny, the uh, D&D, um, me, David Brady, and then Toad and Cole from Tower Gang, and then Adam Nutter are going to do a D&D podcast. Oh, my God. And stuff. <laughs> nice. I cannot wait. Uh-huh. It will be so much fun. Like, I'm, ex- I'm totally expecting Toad is going to be a bard. Mm-hmm. And I just hope he doesn't bring his ukulele out. Um, but... I have, like, the Meghan McCain crying picture up on there. I love it. But watching, like, okay, Justin Amash didn't like it. Wow, that's so surprising. Mm-hmm. And then watching everyone shred him over. It's like, well, yeah, what do you expect? Or someone like, um, what's her name? Maggie. Um, the person from uh, FEE. Um, that Liberty Anders or whatever yeah. the hell her name is. Yeah, like, she, like, she, she didn't like it. Okay. What do you expect? Like she's okay, woman. I actually, I actually think she's very nice, um, and she's she she doesn't really she doesn't really thought herself out like mm-hmm. a lot of the other Liberty people. Oh yeah, no, no, she doesn't. She just has some really shit takes, and I I sometimes go after her. Um, okay, well, well, you know what? I, I want to pivot to something real quick. If you didn't have anything else to kind of go on there, um, well, being it, like, I was gonna quickly finish that. It was like, yeah. and this is why I had such an issue with like people like justin o'donnell when it came to that that lpnh thing when people were like hey the fact that you're relentlessly going after these the the people that were expectedly going to have this reaction to Mm -hmm. the Meghan mccain tweet just makes you seem like assholes like they're and it's not even that they're soft it's that they're not lpnh and that's fine Mm -hmm. there needs to be a justin amash and there needs to be an lpnh there needs to be a Michael Malice and ju- someone like Justin O'Donnell relentlessly going after anyone else like that. Just it makes me it makes me pissed. I end up having to mute him, and it's a shame because I used to I used to like the guy, um, mm. but I want to see him and um, what was his name Jose getting a lisp off. Uh. <laughs> okay, so anyways, what I wanted to pivot to. How being at Yale could you have not just been optimistic? Because I know when I go to. Um, like the LPPA convention, um, I, I leave extremely optimistic because I'm so happy because there's so many great people doing great things. And I, I feel like we have just really good people working for ends that we would like to see. Now, would they be fruitful in our lifetime? I have no idea. But um, just being around that environment makes me very hopeful because I, I, I it could be because I'm extroverted, but I, I just am very hopeful when I see other like-minded people that um kind of rally around a certain culture so i will say i left yale being more optimistic than i've been in a very long time and mm-hmm. even more it reinforced the thing for me even outside of everything i am with my people i saw so many long-haired guys there i saw so many people that had so many mm-hmm. taste. i saw people that had clearly been rejected by every other i was expecting it to look like a magic the gathering convention in it to my pleasant surprise it did not it was mm-hmm. there weren't many fedora people um but like, the the part of me that was a little not as optimistic is that Yale is not it's essentially libertarian. It's conservatarian. It's, mm-hmm. it's it, you know, it's much more, like, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing by any means. I think that any step towards liberty is a step that's worth taking. If a conservatarian comes into power and is like, I still want the state here and here and here, but I'm going to get rid of the Patriot Act, that's fine for me. Incremental steps. I think people that want this radical, radical stuff have no idea how politics works mm-hmm. and actually don't want to see the liberty, like change for liberty happen. It's not going to happen all at once. It's going to be rolling back things here. It's going to be rolling back things there. And right now, I just want to take what I can get because I live in a shithole. <laughs> but mm-hmm. going, I think there's a lot of Yale people that are sheep in the same way that your typical 
political person is. I don't like there. There were th- free thinkers, but there were also a lot of people that like. And the Fed got chanted so many times, and, and at a certain point, I was like, "How many people know what the Fed is? How many people know how it works? How many people actually believe this? Mm-hmm. They're shouting it because it's it's great, and they want to hear it themselves shout it with all this stuff." And I think a lot of Yale libertarians are decorum libertarians. They're all like poli sci major. A lot of them are poli sci majors. A lot of mm-hmm. them are very like. They were like model UN kids from high school, if you remember that. Mm-mm. Uptight, neurotic. Okay. Needs to get laid. Like. Yeah, well, you know what? And this is why I do this podcast, why I try to have all sorts of different voices on, because I want to grow the culture of liberty because I believe that's going to be the only way forward. Is, culture is the only way. Right. I believe in having happy, healthy warriors who can articulate their positions and have more interesting things to offer outside of just the fact that they're a libertarian. Because um, if we're being honest, nobody really cares about libertarians, right? Nobody cares what libertarians think. They care about um, what people can do for them and what this person means to them in relevance to their life. So um, I hope... You can make them laugh. That's another thing as well. I think that there's a... And this is why I... There's time and place for that for different people, yeah. There is, but I think mm-hmm. that there is just being nice to people and actually like being amusing is mm-hmm. a great way to get people. For example, I got yeah. I got in. I told you I I found a lot of the super hardcore liberty people through fucking Tower Gang, which mm-hmm. do- jokes about dicks and cum and like all this stupid shit, and then they start talking about stuff. You're not going to get it by like reading boring theory, mm-hmm. you know. And in one and. You know, this is something that's like, true for all sorts of political persuasions. You know, apparently before, as much as I fucking hate him, before Vosh and before all the other kind of like big leftist streamers came on, leftist mm-hmm. YouTube was a bunch of talking, like, video essayists that would do these really long, boring things. And the Liberty Movement still has that to a, a degree. What's going on, guys? Um, We're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. We'll really focus in here. But uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, The Grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, Feel free to check it out. Um, This is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta-alanine. Um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axonsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code MATOVIC10, that's matovcik one zero at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. They still have that. Everyone has a podcast. Everyone has this stuff. And you're right. We need to build culture. And that's why I've, and I don't want to like, you know, steamroll for a sec, but like. You're good. If there's one thing that I could put out there is I want to find liberty artists and liberty musicians. I want to bring, like, not even libertarian, just liberty. Like, if you are a left lib, right lib, if you're a conservatarian, I don't care. If you hate the establishment and want to watch Hollywood burn to the ground, come with me. I, there needs to be people here Mm -hmm. and I feel lonely, man. Like I'm in a, like I got, I was auditioning for a metal band and I made a joke about gypsies. I come to find out later on one of the reasons I was rejected is because of a racial slur. Mm -hmm. They're gypsies. I like, I was telling a story about how I almost got pickpocketed by them. Yeah. They like, you know, you can, you can have these things where you, have stuff in good faith like good or you can have you know jokes that you think are good and then no it's and it makes me so angry that the music scene is like that especially metal especially metal Metal is full of fucking woke idiots that you know just it's like wow you're doing music that would have been considered wildly radical and crazy you know, 30 years ago, and yet mm. you're here wearing a fucking mask? Like, right. what's the fuck's wrong with you? Where did the, where did, where did actual metal musicians go? 
Where'd mm-hmm. they go? And has it been this way all along? Same thing with hardcore people. Like, same, I mean, I don't really follow hardcore as much, but same thing with punk. Punk's dead. Yeah. Punk's dead because all the punks worship the fucking government. They worship the state. And I'm not saying that, you know, you need to have an ideologically pure band. I would happily work with musicians that don't agree with me on things. But they're, it's hostile being like you or I in the music scene. I assume you can attest to that as well. Um, to a lesser degree here in Pennsylvania, just because where we're, or where I'm at, it's very rural and most of the people, you know, are kind of blue collar guys, much like me. So generally we kind of agree on the basics, just kind of where and how to get there is a little bit different. And then more stuff's a little bit different. But um, when you get into the cities and you see some venues that are saying like, you need to be vaccinated, wear a mask. It's like, all right, well, we, we just won't play there. Even in, and here's the thing, like, I'm in a massive minority of Twitter people or um, Twitter libertarians that I end up get, I end up having to get vaxxed mm-hmm. for um, my job and also because I didn't really know any of the risks associated with the time. I was like, all right, I'll take it. And knock on wood, thank God, there's been no side effects mm-hmm. for me. I don't encourage other people to take it right now. I don't think it, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I regret taking it sometimes, but... Even if a venue has anything like that, like testing or masking or that, no, I won't, I won't even give it my time of day. Right. Like, if there's anything that we can do, it's crush these people. Mm-hmm. Liberty people need to band together and then go on the hardest offensive we have ever gone on against these people because they are ruining every bit of culture. Every movie is a remake with fucking race-swapped people. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You know, you see, you see the thing with, the, like, the – I didn't watch Scooby-Doo. But the thing with the new Velma show, it's like, oh, Velma's Hispanic or something. I don't know. Some weird yellow-brown mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Shaggy, the stoner, is black. Wow. <laughs> Stereotype much. And all these people, it's like, this is nothing new. You're rehashing the same shit, but you're doing it in accordance with whatever guidelines your corporate slash technocrat slash, like, professor with blue hair and several mental, mental illnesses the, the guidelines that they've put down hmm. where is the creativity anymore it's right. gone yeah dude it makes me sad mm-hmm. no dude it's it's uh, not a good place we've been shooting the shit for about an hour now so i'm going to ask you the last couple questions if you don't got anything else to add yeah sure cool I what not, i hope it's not a fun conversation for you. oh no dude it has been uh what does liberty look like to you <sighs> liberty looks like well i I think, actually, this is something that I did want to touch on, which I'm glad you brought it up, so I, I won't barely make this long at all, but one thing that liberty isn't is libertinism. Mm-hmm. And I think that if the liberty movement wants to get anywhere, it's got to fucking ditch the drug problem. Mm-hmm. I agree. The amount of heavy drinking and drugs I saw at Yale. Uh, not drugs as in, like, hard drugs, but, like, people even fucking smoking. Like, again, I love you, Ben, but please stop smoking. Um... <laughs> And, like, all this shit, it made me sick. It made me sick. Just because I want to legalize, basically, I want to legalize drugs for recreational purposes, doesn't mean I endorse any of them. (laughs) I don't think anyone should drink alcohol. I'm not going to stop them, but, like, what liberty is to me is an acceptance of responsibility over yourself and your community that you no longer have a fucking daddy that's going to beat you if you don't like pay tribute to it and then it'll try to provide and it won't even provide you have to provide for your own community you have to do that yourself and you have to assume that responsibility and you have to enjoy that responsibility too that's what liberty really is it's not it's not republicans with weed it's not you know do drugs and fuck anyone you can it's be an individual. Be a rugged individual. Be someone that's willing to buck the system. Nice. Yeah, I, I really, really like that answer, actually, and I'm kind of glad you laid that out. Um, what does health look like to you? Uh, not how I eat. No, I'm kidding. I've been eating better. Um, health, to me... Health, to me, means a lot of a lot of small different things, and I think you could take that in a million different directions. I don't even know where to start, but making sure that you mentally and physically are in the best state you can be. Cool. Especially mentally as well. Mm-hmm. 
because once since the lockdown was good for everyone, that's showed how many of us need help. Yeah, and well, you know, it, it never hurts sometimes to reach out and uh, check on other people or lean on somebody whenever you need it. Um, Lorenzo, where can everybody find you, dude? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at prog underscore enjoyer seven. P-R-O-G underscore enjoyer seven. Uh, my original Lorenzo Silvio Twitter account got banned because I said that some Republicans should be guillotined for supporting gun laws. And uh, <clears throat> so you'll get a lot of, you'll, you'll either get me being unbelievably depressing because I don't have a girlfriend or me posting music or me shitting on like politicians. Um, you can find me on my Instagram at Lorenzo underscore Silvio. You're not going to find any politics there. That's for me. That's my uh, drumming stuff. That's my dogs, me playing guitar, me drumming. Um, outside of that, um, nothing much. Check out David Brady's YouTube channel because we do a weekly thing on the new Game of Thrones spin-off show, House of the Dragon. Mm. But, yeah, that's where you can find me if you want to find me. <laughs> nice. All right, dude. Well, uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed the conversation. Uh, make sure you check out the show's sponsors, LMNT and Axe and Sledge. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share. And until next time, everybody, take care and rock and roll. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.